just three short days away from the Seahawks opening their 2022 season against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Their former star quarterback threw a bit more fuel on the fire heading into Monday night's primetime clash. Dallas Cooper and I are going to be diving into Russell Wilson's confirmation the Seahawks tried to trade him before sending him to the Denver Broncos on a jam-packed Blue Friday episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Dallas Cooper. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Only three days away from Russell Wilson returning to Lumen Field to face the Seattle Seahawks as the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Storylines galore, a bunch of them revolving around number three and his homecoming to the Pacific Northwest. He dumped a little bit more fuel on the fire on Thursday. Dallas and I will be taking a look at the latest headlines generated by the star quarterback. Plus, we're going to answer your questions in our Friday mailbag segment and dish out some bold predictions and grades for each of Seattle's defensive position groups heading into a new season. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Long before Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos back in March, there were breadcrumb trails that were hinting the Seahawks were trying to move the star quarterback. Some of that was generated by his agent, Mark Rogers, some of it by Wilson himself. And the Seahawks' general lack of interest in trying to put out the fire, there was a lot of trade speculation. And ultimately, it ended up finally coming true in March. And now there's more fuel being thrown on the fire by the star quarterback heading into Monday night's primetime opener. Speaking with reporters yesterday, Wilson confirmed a report from ESPN's Brady Henderson that the Seahawks had tried to trade him a couple of times before finally pulling it off with the Denver Broncos. Here's the quote from Wilson. He said they definitely tried to a couple times, tried to see what was out there. It's part of the business being a professional and everything else. I believe in my talents, who I am. I feel I'm one of the best in the world. Again, that was Russell Wilson shortly before practice on Thursday. He spoke with Seattle media a few hours before that and made some comments about his desire to have a fresh start in Denver and looking back at his 10 years in Seattle. Finally, you look at these latest comments from Russell Wilson and really Dallas they shouldn't be viewed as a surprise at this point. There was all that smoke out there, and even people like me didn't necessarily pay enough attention to that smoke that was real and turned into a fire. Now, with Russell Wilson confirming it himself, it's pretty clear John Schneider, maybe Pete Carroll being in the mix there too, but it seems like John Schneider was the one that was really pulling the strings behind the scenes, seeing if maybe they could find somebody to trade Russell Wilson and start over at the quarterback position. I think definitely John Schneider was definitely looking at that. And I think it's part of the business, as Russ said. John Schneider did everything he could possible to try and revamp the Seahawks and try to get them back into contention. In his eyes, 
he felt like Russell Wilson wasn't the quarterback to do that, and he felt like it was important to restart. And personally for Russ, he didn't take that lightly, and he's still holding that against them. And personally for Russ, you can't fault Russ for that either because personally he felt they were trying to replace him. So I think on both sides, it was just it was just leading up to a, kind of like a divorce in, in a sort. This is really going down to one common denominator here. Russell Wilson needed a new contract, and he ended up signing that contract on April 15th, right at the deadline. Everybody might remember the goofy video that DJ Fluker posted about Russell Wilson and how that midnight, midnight deadline, they were able to beat it, and Russell Wilson was able to get that new contract, had a no-trade clause in it. Now we know why that no-trade clause was put in there. So he couldn't go to the Cleveland Browns. That appears to be the one rumor that now looks pretty darn real was that the Seahawks before the 2018 draft were trying to move Russell Wilson to the Cleveland Browns to get the number one overall pick. And the player that they wanted, the one that they coveted that year, was not Baker Mayfield who went number one overall to the Browns. It was Josh Allen, the quarterback out of Wyoming, the player many viewed as a hit or miss prospect coming out of Wyoming. There were questions about his accuracy, but there's no question about his physical tools. And he's ended up becoming a superstar with the Buffalo Bills. But that's the one that's gotten the most traffic. The year before, there were rumors out there about interest in Patrick Mahomes. If he falls past number 10, where the Chiefs ended up picking him, maybe John Schneider moves up and drafts Patrick Mahomes. And that reopens the door to trade Russell Wilson somewhere. That didn't happen. Even 2019, I saw somebody posting today, Arizona with the number one overall pick in maybe wanting Kyler Murray, floating Russell Wilson to the Cardinals. That would have been a stunner, making a trade, sending him within the division to the Arizona Cardinals. I don't see any teeth to those rumors, but certainly the Cleveland Browns one now. All that fire that was there a few years ago, even recent reports, now Russell Wilson making the comment they did, it puts legitimacy to that, that Seattle was definitely trying to market him to the Cleveland Browns and see if they could get that number one overall pick and get a talented quarterback on a rookie contract they could build around way back in 2018. That, that would have been insane to think about. The Seahawks starting over with Josh Allen at the helm. It would have been a, a totally different situation. And for Seattle fans, it would have been something just, I think, really interesting and really cool to see if Josh Allen was in a Seahawks jersey. Well, we have to wonder about that. His career at Wyoming, again, this was a player that was not very accurate for the Cowboys, didn't win a ton of games, wasn't a Heisman winner or anything. There were a lot of question marks revolving around Josh Allen, but clearly John Schneider saw something in him and went to his pro day. He went to Patrick Mahomes' pro day the year before. He went to a number of top quarterbacks' pro day. That's not necessarily abnormal, but according to Brady Henderson's article, that pissed off Wilson and his camp because that told them that you're trying to replace me. You're trying to get a new quarterback. And now we know that that's probably really what was going on. And ultimately, they couldn't find that deal. The Cleveland Browns, all the reports out there suggested they just didn't want to make that trade. Russell Wilson wouldn't have been able to reject that in 2018 because he didn't have a no trade clause yet in that contract. If he was traded to the Browns, he would have been stuck with the Browns. But Cleveland probably felt like they couldn't extend him. So I don't know that there was ever any traction there, but the Seahawks certainly looked like they tried to make that move. Who knows if they tried to trade him any other points, but 
Wilson makes it sound like this is something that happened several times that they tried to look into moving him. Finally got the deal they wanted from a team that really wanted Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos, and now they get to face him at Lumen Field on Monday Night Football. Who knows how this crowd is going to react when Wilson takes the field wearing orange and blue. I think it's anyone's guess at this point. It could be one of those situations where before the game, most Seahawks fans are cheering him on, and then the tide turns after the first whistle, and Russell Wilson has to deal with the wrath of the 12s. Or it could be one of those cases, if there's some foreshadowing from that WNBA game last month, that just the sight of Russell Wilson is going to create a major run of the Boo Birds at Lumen Field. We just don't know. But nonetheless, Dallas, with this extra fuel now added to the fire, on top of all the other storylines with Wilson coming back to Seattle, emotions are going to be running hot for fans, for players, and the coaches heading into this matchup that I think is one of the most anticipated openers in NFL history. Definitely. I think look around the league and this is one of the most anticipated games just because of this matchup. You have Russell Wilson going back to his old team in Seattle. You have the atmosphere going around the, the players that were formerly his teammates. Everything about this atmosphere is going to be crazy. And it's Monday night football. What better, like, what better can we ask for for week one Monday night football than a matchup like this? It's going to be great to see. It's going to be great cinema. It's going to be great theater. Get your popcorn ready. Get your Terrell Owens gifs out. Let's get ready to roll just three days away from that contest. Coming up next year on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Going to be answering your mailbag questions. We got some really fun ones from the 12s here for our Friday mailbag. We'll get to those questions here in a moment. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview as well as hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Dallas Cooper. Thanks to all the 12s for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's time for our Blue Friday mailbag. We've got a ton of fun questions coming from the 12s. Let's get to it. Our first one here from Tucker Hayes. And this is a question, Dallas, you and I were having some fun discussing before the show. So looking forward to our answers on this one. If you could invest in one Seahawks player stock this season, who would it be and why? The former AP economics teacher and me, I see the word stock and I immediately get excited. This could be left for a little bit interpretation on who you end up picking here. 
Dallas, if you had to invest in one player stock going into this season, which player would it be and why? Personally, I have to go with Damian Lewis. I think after a strong rookie year two years ago that he showed, he showed a strong rookie year and he showed headlines. He made headlines for having a really good rookie season. His second season, he switched positions, had a little bit of a struggle in his second season, couldn't stay as healthy. Now with this coming season, he looked great in camp, absolutely great in camp. And I don't think that the eyes and ears are really on him this season. So with this stock, with the stock question, I think you could gain a lot of stock with picking Damian Lewis this season. He's a player that I'm intrigued to see what he does. Now, we don't know if he's going to be available in week one because he did have that ankle sprain that he suffered that looked like it was a much more severe injury than that. So the Seahawks got lucky, but he had a really good camp going up to that injury against the Bears in the second preseason game. And it just looked like he was the player they thought he was going to be last year. He didn't take that year two leap. In fact, he regressed some after being an all-rookie team selection. So that would be an intriguing one because I'm with you. I think he could still be a Pro Bowl caliber player if he's healthy. And he fits the system quite well, can zone and man gap uh, block equally well in the run game, improved his penalties last year. So he's got a chance to take that next step forward. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with a player from the same draft class. And when I look at stocks, you know, you could easily pick somebody like DK Metcalf here, who has been a proven commodity his first three seasons. And maybe he just absolutely explodes this year. He and Geno Smith have pretty good rapport. But I'm looking for a player who has not touched the surface of their potential yet, but you're still feeling pretty confident about that player. Maybe Damian Lewis is that player for you. For me, it's Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor last year had six and a half sacks in his pseudo rookie season. He had a, he had 36 pressures last season, according to pro football focus. That was the most in the team, not a super high mark, but for a guy that missed his entire rookie year recovering from a broken leg, I thought he had a pretty impressive season. He has been even better in training camp. Preseason was somewhat up and down, but I'm expecting with his speed, his burst off the line, this scheme is perfect for him in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker. He has underrated power and bull rushing ability. I just think he's going to be a thorn in tackle sides all year long. I think he's got a big season coming. So I would be buying his stock because he might not be a player that would be the most popular stock option for fans buying him. But certainly he's a player that I think has star potential. I think he comes into that star mode in his third season for the Seahawks. Next question from Jared tweets, in an alternate universe going off our first quarter discussion, if the Seahawks ended up with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Kyler Murray, which one do you think would have been the best fit replacing Russell Wilson? So this is going back in time, 2017, 2018, 2019. If the Seahawks could have gotten one of these quarterbacks through the draft by trading Russell Wilson or moving up in the first round to get one of these players, who do you think with what we know now would have been the best fit? I personally, I would say Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes has shown to the league that he's an elite quarterback. And at this point, I don't think it's arguable to have him outside of your top two or top three. I don't think you can at this point. He's that dude. And he's the quarterback that I think the Seahawks, if they had and ended up choosing that, that would have been the best choice out of Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. I think Mahomes, personally, I feel that Mahomes is a much better quarterback than Kyler Murray. And I think he's steps above Josh Allen, especially as a passer. 
Yeah, his passing ability, we've seen the no-look passes. The fact that he's won a Super Bowl, he's gotten to a second one, and he's still under 27 years of age. He's had a phenomenal start to his career. He's got the playmaking ability when plays break down that John Schneider covets, had the physical tools, athletic guy that can create with his legs. Josh Allen can do that as well. Both those guys would have been interesting. I just wonder about Josh Allen. Would he have been able to develop the way that he did in Buffalo with the Seahawks? Would he have ascended the same way without Brian Dable? I would have maybe been a little more confident in Patrick Mahomes being able to do that. For that reason, I'm with you. I'm picking Mahomes here. To me, Kyler Murray is a somewhat distant third in this group. And I just have not seen the leadership intangibles from him. The physical tools are there. He might be a smaller quarterback, but so is Russell Wilson. And Wilson's been a pro bowler nine times. Kyler Murray is an incredible talent. I just haven't seen the leadership capabilities that I've seen from the other two quarterbacks that have led their teams into deep playoff runs. Kyler Murray has not been able to do that in Arizona. He's faltered late in the season each of the last couple of years, just as the rest of the team has. You need to see the leadership intangibles improve for him to go up this list. But right now, from that group, to me, it's Patrick Mahomes. There's a fairly wide gap to Josh Allen, who I still think is a very good quarterback. And then Kyler Murray is somewhat distant third. Ryan Walro, do you think the Hawks should draft a premium position player with their first pick in next year's draft and then pick a QB with their later first rounder or eventually draft one in the middle rounds? Pete Carroll and John Schneider seem to have an eye for mid-round quarterback talent. So I think this is a really interesting question because there is a certain player from Alabama by the name of Will Anderson who might be the best player in next year's draft class. And if somehow the Seahawks end up floundering this year and they get a top pick, Pete Carroll and John Schneider might have a very hard time passing up on a player like that, even with their quarterback situation. Definitely. Imagine an edge duel of Daryl Taylor and Will Anderson. That'll be insane. And I think that's Pete, that could be Pete Carroll's dream right there, having two flying edge rushers like that. But personally, I don't, I don't think you can do that. I think it's a quarterback-driven league, and as much as Seattle has good pieces in other spots, I think you need to have that quarterback. I think in 2023 with that draft, if you have a high pick, you have to go quarterback and have a guy lead your team. You've got so many enticing prospects there. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Anthony Richardson. Yep. I mean, and there's other quarterbacks that could be in the mix there. I mean, this is a class that could have five or six quarterbacks that are drafted in the first round. And maybe most of those guys in the top 15 picks It is a far cry from last year's class. I didn't even mention Will Levis from Kentucky, a player that I think could end up maybe being the best quarterback in this entire group. So we don't know who that number one pick is going to be, but you've got a lot of really good quarterbacks. I feel like you cannot go without picking one with that first first round pick and the Seahawks end up having two first rounders that are in the back third then that changes things because you're probably going to have to package those picks to move up to get your quarterback and who knows what John Schneider wants to do at that point somehow Seattle exceeds expectations but assuming they have a top 10 pick I would think they have to be going quarterback because Geno Smith and Drew Locke I don't believe even one of those guys are your long-term answer you need to get that franchise quarterback next year Will Anderson's enticing but you need that signal caller. Max tweets, if you are a director and you want to hire DK Metcalf for a movie, which role do you ask him to play? This is a great question because Metcalf today told reporters that that was something he was interested in doing someday. He would love to act in a movie. So Dallas, what movie or what role would you like to see him play? 
I think personally, I would love to see DK Metcalf in the Terminator starring as the Terminator. Imagine DK Metcalf bulking up for a role as the Terminator. Imagine how cool and iconic that would be. We already know how iconic the Terminator was. Now just imagine NFL superstar DK Metcalf starring as the Terminator and how big that could be. That would be insane to me. They'll have to give him a new catchphrase. I don't know that Hasta La Vista is going to roll quite off the tongue for DK Metcalf the way that it did for Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he would certainly fit the physical prototype for a new world Terminator, a 2023-2024 version. He would be an awesome successor to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to stick in the war genre here. If you love video games, you're going to love this answer. Gears of War, they have been talking about having a movie for five or six years, and then COVID happened. I don't know if it's still something that they're planning on making, but he needs to be the Coltrane. I would love to see DK Metcalf playing this. I mean, he'd have to be a little more vocal and a little louder than what he is typically, but I think he's capable of it. You see it on the field that he can be a vocal leader. He can be vocal, trash-talking opponents. That would be a necessity to play as the Coltrane. And I'm going to throw one other one out there real quick because I'm a horror movie fanatic. Friday the 13th, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the series. I think the movies are kind of trash. But Jason Voorhees is a horror icon. I mean, I just can't even imagine DK Metcalf with a hockey mask and a machete busting in a door and coming after innocent teenagers that are staying at, at Crystal Lake, I just I think it would be an amazing reboot with DK Metcalf. Yep. He's quiet, so Jason Voorhees should be awesome. Again, another modern take on that. I think he'd be fun at either one of those. Last question here coming from Brian Barry. Is it morally acceptable to wear an action green Russell Wilson jersey on Monday? Assuming, Brian, that you mean at the stadium, I'll let Dallas give his thoughts on this. You wear what you want. I think there will certainly be some Seahawks fans that are going to be wearing Russell Wilson jerseys. Not every 12 out there hates his guts. I'm sure there are a lot of fans that still have great respect for everything he did in Seattle, not just on the field, but his efforts off the field. So, yeah, you bought the jersey. You want to support Russell Wilson for everything he did? Yeah, wear your number three jersey. Even if it's an action green one like the Seahawks are wearing in the game, go for it. A lot of fans will not, uh, a lot of fans might scoff at that idea or they might not necessarily give you a smile for wearing it, but it's your choice. You bought the jersey. Go for it. Man, just, just wear it, man. You paid <laughs> for it. As Corbin said, you paid for it. It's your money. Don't let anybody else tell you what to do, man. You wear it and you enjoy yourself. As you said, Russell Wilson was not just an icon on the field in Seattle for a decade, he was an icon in the community as well. That's an, that's an important factor as well. And, yeah, if who's going to get all mad at you for wearing a Russell Wilson jersey? I, man, just wear it. Just sport it. Just sport it. I said that was the last question, but I do think we get a bonus here to throw in because this is one that piques my interest. Coming from Jackson A. Tweets, I know it's early, but who winds up being the best player from Seattle's draft class when it's all said and done? It is early. They haven't played in a regular season game yet, but – why not make a bold prediction yeah. here? Dallas, who ends up being the best rookie from this draft class at the end of the line? Who ends up being the best player from this much-hyped draft class for the Seahawks? Ken Walker III, an elite running back at Michigan State, yet he almost won Heisman. Like, I don't think people are putting that into perspective enough. He almost won Heisman as a running back. That's insane. 
in in this quarterback driven class that's coming up and all these people, he almost won Heisman as a running back. And we never know. Rashad Penny only has one year left on his contract. And health is always a big issue with running backs. We never know. So Ken Walker might be able to have playing time, maybe even this season. So I think Ken Walker can for sure become the best player from this class. Ken Walker III is someone that I consider just because I do think he is an incredibly talented running back. And there are some questions beyond this year. Who else is going to be on the roster? Travis Homer and Rashad Penny are both free agents. D.J. Dallas will be in the last year of his deal. So there are going to be some contract situations they have to take care of at a position with a very short shelf life. Second round pick, you want Ken Walker the third out there. So I expect by next year that he is going to probably be the bell cow back unless Rashad Penny just blows up this year in Seattle resigns him probably gonna be Ken Walker the third job that being said I'm gonna go with Abraham Lucas and that might surprise some people because he isn't even the first tackle that Seattle drafted I think Charles Cross is going to be an excellent player too I think Seattle hit on both of those picks Tariq Woolen was somebody I considered here too because I think he has the highest ceiling here but Abraham Lucas has come in and he has been a man on a mission already way better in the run blocking department than anybody could have imagined we'll see what he does in a regular season game but with his background at Washington State, how much pass protection he did and a pass-heavy offense he is polished in that regard. For him to already be this ahead of the curve as a run blocker, just the mentality he plays with, he is a grinder. He is physical. He plays with a mean streak that you just wouldn't think he would have based on yeah. how nice the guy he is off the field. So I think Abraham Lucas, that's maybe a stunner with this one, but I think Abraham Lucas is going to have a fantastic NFL career. I think he's going to be a really darn good right tackle we've got our defensive position group final grades and bold projections coming up here next on our blue friday episode we'll get to that here in a moment betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season find all the latest football league developments game matchups news and podcasts including this year's opening week's games betonline is also your continued source for all your sports and wagering information including live betting esports and scores the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including major league baseball boxing and golf is bet online head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts you're listening to the blue friday edition of locked on seahawks this is your host corbin smith joined on today's show by dallas cooper thanks to all the 12s out there for making locked on seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure for your second listen, go check out the Alderman Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Our local team of experts here at the Locked On Podcast Network, combining with Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, formed the Alderman NFL Preview. Search for Alderman Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier this week on our Tuesday episode, Rob Rang and I, we dished out our grades for each of Seattle's offensive position groups. Now that the 53 is pretty well set in stone, we know which players are going to be out there on the field on Monday night against the Denver Broncos. We dished out our grades. We had some bold predictions. And then we had matchup Wednesday. We had crossover Thursday. Had a little bit of a bridge there. We're going to get to the defensive positions today. And coming in as the relief pitcher, Rob Rang, not on today's show, We've got Dallas Cooper dishing out grades and bold predictions on defense. So let's get to the defensive tackle group. And Dallas, this is a very experienced group. Maybe the most experienced position group Seattle has. 
with Al Woods, Shelby Harris, who came over in the Russell Wilson trade, Quentin Jefferson, who was drafted by the Seahawks, has had a couple of really nice years in Buffalo as well as Las Vegas, then returns for a second contract. Puna Ford is now in his fifth season. I mean, this is a very experienced and really an underrated group league-wide. One of the better defensive lines, at least interior groups, that you're going to find in the league. How do they grade out in your mind, and what's your bold prediction for this season with the defensive tackle group? With the amount of expertise and just experience that this defensive tackle group has, I, I gave them a B. I, I might have been a little lower on them, but I just thought about a B because I just need to see more pass rush upside from Quentin Jefferson. But Shelby Harris, man, I'm really high on him. And prediction-wise, for my bro prediction, I'm thinking he proves John Schneider right with the Russell Wilson trade and John Schneider wanting to grab Shelby Harris. And with his high pressure rate that he's achieved the last couple of seasons for a while now in Denver, I think he now can convert those into sacks. And I think he might end up, I'm actually predicting him with six sacks this year. I think Harris will prove to everyone and he will have six sacks this season. And that has been a number that has been roughly where he's been at a couple of years recently for the Broncos. He had a few years with five or six sacks for the Broncos. So he's a very underrated player all around, underrated pass rusher. For me, I'm going to give this group a B plus because they have been top five in yards per carry allowed against the run each of the last two seasons. A big part of that has been the defensive tackles. Al Woods, best year of his career last year, now a team captain. Puna Ford, still a very underrated player. I want to see the pass rush come to life more for him, but he's a very stout run defender. He can play three-tack. He can play as a nose tackle. He can play out wide. And then you've got a guy named Miles Adams, who was one of the stars of the preseason. That's where my bold prediction is taking me. Now, I, I don't know that he leads the team in pressure from the interior, but I have seen enough from him in training camp and in the preseason who knows? Maybe he won't even dress for this first game because of the depth they have at defensive tackle. But I think he is going to be a major factor for much of this year in pass rushing situations with his penetrating ability. My bold prediction is that he leads the Seahawks defensive tackles with four and a half sacks and really puts himself on the market as a viable NFL defensive tackle. And John Schneider said some teams were calling about trading for him. If he has four and a half sacks, uh, there will be teams again calling this offseason. Maybe he's part of Seattle's future at that position. Let's go to the outside. Outside linebackers, edge defenders. In a 3-4, you're not necessarily going to have your traditional defensive ends. You're going to have hybrid outside linebackers. And this is a group that's got a ton of potential, but not necessarily a lot of proven production. Uchenna Nuosu had five sacks in his only season as a starter last year, 40 pressure for the Chargers, so a solid season. Daryl Taylor had 36 pressures and six and a half sacks. Again, a really good pseudo rookie season, but neither one of them were pro bowl or all pro caliber players. You have rookie boy Mafe. Alton Robinson's probably going to miss the first game, but he's back for a third season. And they're not going to have Tyreek Smith, their other rookie they drafted. He's out for the season. So there are some maybe depth concerns here and lack of proven production, but there's a lot of upside with this group. How do they grade out for you, Dallas? And what do you see as a bold prediction for this outside edge rushing group? I grade them as a B minus. The reason is exactly as you said. They, there's not a lot of proven production, but I think I'm like you, and I'm pretty high on this group. I, I think there's a lot of talent there, and I think the depth there is actually very decent. I think they have a good amount of depth at that position where on third downs, if you need a, if someone needs a break, they can go sub someone in. Mafe. 
another one that can sub in. As you said, Alton Robinson. Like, personally, bringing that up, for my bold prediction, blossoming under Clint Hurts' tutelage, I, I think Mafe, I mean, his first, what, preseason game, he had a forced fumble. So I'm thinking this season he'll at least have four sacks, and I'm expecting at least one forced fumble this season. And some might say for a second-round pick, that's not great production, but he is going to be playing in situational third-down, second-and-long type situations. So he maybe not going to have as many snaps to be able to produce sacks, but he might have a high pressure rate. Didn't have a great pressure rate in the preseason, but he was very effective getting to the quarterback on the few times that he did generate pressure. For me, I'm going to go with the more proven commodity here and a player, as I mentioned, second quarter in our mailbag that I think has a chance to really explode this year for Daryl Taylor. I think he takes that next big step in year number three. And I think he becomes the sixth player in the Pete Carroll era to have double-digit sacks. And he would be the first to do it since Frank Clark in 2018. They've been playing musical chairs there. I just think with this scheme, he has the perfect skill set. He's bigger. He's faster. He's stronger. He's more confident. He's more of a leader. He is going to rise to the occasion this year. And I think he's going to have a monster year. A lot of sacks, a lot of pressures. That's going to be huge for Seattle's defense now and down the line as he can be one of their building blocks for their next contender. Now let's go to inside linebacker. And this has been a position that has normally been an A, A minus, B plus type grade. But this is a group that doesn't have Bobby Wagner anymore. And they don't have KJ Wright anymore. There's major depth concerns. Nick Ballore is the only linebacker on the roster that's an inside linebacker behind the starters, Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks. So there's some talent in that starting lineup, but this feels like this is a very top-heavy group right now, and I'm surprised they haven't reinforced it more. I'm going to give them a C just because of the depth. Jordan Brooks could be an All-Pro this year. In fact, I've predicted it a couple times that he is going to be an All-Pro. I think he's going to have 150-plus tackles again. He is a machine in the middle. I think he's going to be better in coverage. He really has a chance, like Taylor, year three, to really blossom as a rising superstar in Wagner's place. And maybe Cody Barton ends up having a solid season as well. But what do you do if one of those guys gets banged up and you got to put Nick Ballora in or Tanner Muse comes in off the practice squad? I mean, the depth there is really concerning. So I can't go any higher than a C just for that reason, even though I love the starters they have, particularly Jordan Brooks. I'm I'm right there with you. The highest I can go is a C. With with that little of depth, injury is definitely a scare when you're looking at the depth chart for inside linebacker. Jordan Brooks, as you said, could be all pro this year. He's shown elite, I mean elite, whether it's pass coverage, whether it's run stopping in the gaps. He's shown he can do it all. And for my bold prediction, I have to go with his new partner in crime this year, Cody Barton. I think Cody Barton this year will step up, and he won't be a immediate replacement to Bobby Wagner. No one can step in and fill the shoes of Bobby Wagner. But I think he has elite pass defense skills, Cody Barton. He's shown good coverage ability. I think he could be top five this year in passes defended as a linebacker and maybe finish upwards of eight, closer close to 10 passes defended. If he's able to do that, that'll be a big upgrade for the Seahawks because as good as Bobby Wagner's been, he's had his issues in coverage. There have been some concerns about his movement skills as he's aged. We'll see what he does in L.A. Still a very good player, but that was something you could see some decline from. Cody Barton's safety background, maybe he 
can improve Seattle's defense from that capacity. I would think there's going to be a little drop off in the run department. We'll see though. Again, Bobby Wagner was making a lot of tackles five, six yards downfield last year. Cody Barton has a chance to be able to hit the hole a little bit faster and maybe be able to generate more impact plays than what Bobby Wagner did last year. Now let's go to the secondary cornerback. This was a position group where there were question marks galore because DJ Reed left in free agency. They re-signed Sidney Jones after his first season in Seattle. They drafted Tariq Woolen. They draft Kobe Bryant. They signed Artie Burns, a free agent, former first-round pick for the Steelers, kind of had an up-and-down run there, played a handful of games for the Bears last season, played well, but there were still question marks galore with this team, and yet that was one of the real surprises in a good way in training camp for the Seahawks. This cornerback group, the rookies looked really good. The veterans, before injuries struck late in camp, the veterans were playing really well. And Pete Carroll's been fired up for good cause about this group. How do they grade out for you going into the season? And what's your bold prediction for the corners? I'm high on this defensive back group or this cornerback group specifically. I'm on them like a B plus. That's my grade for them. I think whether you're looking at the veterans that they signed or the veterans on the roster in Sidney Jones, you have Artie Burns, Justin Coleman. You, you also have rookies in um, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen. They're all looking for playing time. And they've all, as you said, in training camp, showed positive signs. That's great to hear if you're a Seattle fan. And personally, cornerback is one of those positions, I feel you can never have enough good players because if one goes down, you're always going to need another. And I think Seattle has solid depth and talent at the position and continuity along with that. I think this group, I would give a B minus. I'm not going to be quite as high just because as good as they looked in training camp in the preseason, they're going to get tested by some really good quarterbacks early in the season. Russell Wilson in week one, just naming the first example. There's going to be other good quarterbacks coming up later on their schedule. They're going to get tested. We don't know what Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant are going to do in regular season games. There's still that uncertainty factor, but the upside is certainly there, especially with Woolen, with what he showed in the preseason, yeah. what he flashed in training camp, not backing down from DK Metcalf. I think the ceiling is really high for this group, and you've got a fun blend of veterans as well as rookies. Trey Brown's going to be back eventually. You can throw him into the mix. Mike Jackson was one of the biggest surprises for good reasons in training camp. He might start in the season opener. He was on the starters on their unofficial depth chart. I would think it's going to be Sidney Jones. But nonetheless, this group has exceeded all expectations at this point, and you've got some long-term answers, you hope, in Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant. My bold prediction for this group, I made it early in the offseason, and I'm just going to modify it slightly. Kobe Bryant is still going to lead the corners and interceptions with three, but he's going to be doing it from the slot, not from the outside. I think the former Cincinnati standout, former Jim Thorpe Award winner, he is going to get into the lineup sooner rather than later in place of Justin Coleman, and he is going to make some big plays with his ball-hawking ability and his instincts. Definitely. I could definitely see that. And personally, for my bold prediction, I'd have to say I think it's going to be Tariq Woolen. I think Tariq Woolen, with his background as a wide receiver and with that uncanny length and speed that, frankly, the NFL has never seen at this, at this position, I think he'll finish with more than four picks. And I think he will get there onto the all-rookie team. Specifically, I think he'll be second team. If he's able to do that as a fifth-round pick, it will be just another gem found on day three for John Schneider. There haven't been as many of those in recent drafts. But this class, it looks like there could be several of them with Kobe Bryant and Tariq Willen be two specifics. Last but not least, quickly here, the safety position. 
This is the one that's got the most star power on Seattle's defense. Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs are back healthy. They're going to be ready to go. Josh Jones, former second-round pick, a revelation in training camp. He's the main reason Marquise Blair is still looking for a job and was released because Josh Jones simply beat him out for that job. Ryan Neal is going to be back, and he is a proven, reliable veteran that can play multiple spots, a special teams cog. And they really like Joey Blunt, the undrafted rookie out of Virginia, who ended up making this roster because of his special teams ability, and he can play both safety spots as well. They're excited about his potential. I'm going with an A-. minus. The only reason I'm not going A is because there have been some durability concerns with this group. But top to bottom, I think this is the best positional group for the Seahawks on their entire roster. I think you've got two capable starters as backups in Ryan Neal and Josh Jones. And Blunt is a player that intrigues down the line. Right now going to be a special teams player, but he's a player down the line could end up seeing some snaps on defense as well. They're going to play three safeties, four safeties sometimes at a time on the field with Sean Desai being on the staff. So I think that's going to create great opportunities for everybody to make plays. And that leads to my bold prediction here. This is not a shot at Jamal Adams because I've made it clear. I think he's better in coverage than most people have given him credit for. But I think that Josh Jones is going to play a lot of snaps on defense as a third safety this year. Adams is going to be playing as a second linebacker a lot. A lot of snaps for Josh Jones. He had a couple of picks in the preseason and training camp. I think he's got a great chance to get more interceptions this year than Jamal Adams playing a lot of two deep safety looks when Jamal Adams up in the box. He's going to get chances to make plays in the football. So that's my bold prediction. Josh Jones gets his hands on more interceptions than Jamal Adams. Josh Jones definitely did play really well in the preseason. I could definitely see that happening. And But for me, I have to agree with you on that positional group grade. I have to go with an A. This this is definitely the strength of the team. I think anyone looking at this roster could see the safety is definitely the best position. I think is the best position group on the team. The safety group is the depth is there, the talent is there with Diggs, Adams, as you said. Well, they have everybody, and I think personally, my bold prediction, I think Adams is going to look a lot more like the Jets Jamal Adams and is going to be a lot better in man coverage specifically, which is why I could see him hovering around 10 passes defended this year. I think that's going to be my bold prediction. He's going to be hovering around 10 passes defended. If he gets his hands on the football more, that's obviously going to silence some of the critics that are out there. He did have two picks in the last three games he played in before he got hurt last year. Keep him healthy, maximize his skill set. Clint Hurt, that's his goal this year. With that unique set of skills he brings to the table, he's truly a unicorn. Can you maximize those? If they can, it gives Seattle's defense a chance to really rebound and maybe be a top 10, top 15 unit this season. They're going to be counting on their safeties because of the talent and the depth they have at that position. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper as well. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Locked in Seahawks is also streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Sunday, we're going to have a Sunday night pregame show. Nick Lee will be rejoining me, and the two of us will be diving into some keys to victory, devising a game plan for the Seahawks to improve to 1-0 to start the season, and much more jam-packed week one preview show. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Get pumped for Monday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.